evening, ladies. I'm Kelly Romero, and I'll be introducing the speakers for the duration of the conference. We are so excited to introduce our first speaker for Fight Time 2024. Tonight, Casey Gidry, the leader of our Cove Ladies Ministry here at Covenant Church, will be bringing a special word of God. She's a wife and a mom to four kids, and she leads us with love and excitement for Jesus Christ. Let's give her a big welcome as she comes to teach us tonight. Farthest to get here, who, you, Nikki Ray. She is lying. Who drove from Cal? Uh, uh, who was it, Oklahoma? Some six hours. You could say, yeah. Woo-hoo. It's hard to see. Woohoo! Anyone go come further than Oklahoma? Ohio. All right. Where? Virginia. That's amazing. So cool. Awesome. Um, At this time, I want to invite a special person up, um, and that is my husband. If I can, if y'all could give a round of applause to my husband, my covering, Brad Guidry. Isn't he so handsome? He is very married. (laughs) He is such a blessing to me, and if you know our story, you know that we've walked through a a whole lot over the last 10 years together, but... Um, He covers me so well. I'm honored to be the women's ministry leader here at Covenant Church, and he helps me every step of the way. I could not do it without him, and he he helps me. I'm like, what do I do? And and he prays for me, and I'm just so honored. So tonight, he's going to pray over me before I get started. Thank you. If everyone wouldn't mind, just go ahead and uh, point your hands up here towards Casey. She's uh, prepared uh, a long time for for this, as as well as many other women here in the church, and I just want to say that that they don't get up here and wing it. They uh, they seek they seek God's word and God's and God's anointing through this entire process. So uh, I can't say much that's that's that uh, that that all the ladies here haven't already done. But I just want to reinforce it that that uh, right now, Jesus, that that uh, that you blessed my wife, Lord, and you blessed the other women here who have who have prepared and the other women and men who are serving here. Jesus, if you would just lay out your anointing as as heavy as only you can, Lord. Lord, we all know that 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 they're prepared. That these are your words, <clears throat> Lord. We ask for your will to not let your message flow as you intended. We, we thank you, Lord, for everyone here tonight. We thank you that, that 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 our church has been able to put this together. We thank you for the hard work and and all the preparation that has gone on to this, Lord. Lord, now we just pray that they knock it out. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. He's mine. <laughs> I love him very, very much. All right. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you did it. I want you to say it a little louder. You did it. <laughs> you did it. You made it to Fight Time Conference 2024. Okay? Listen, that is a big deal. Many of you, most of you, probably all of you had to battle the gates, literally the gates of hell to get here. A lot of you battled financially. A lot of you battled with sickness. How many of you battled with sickness? Children sick. The flu. Yeah, we bind that in the name of Jesus. So a lot of you have battled, maybe some of you battled loneliness. Maybe some of you battled some social anxiety. Like, oh, I don't really, I don't have anyone to walk in with. And I just don't really know what it's going to look like there. Well, listen. You did it. You conquered whatever it is that you needed to conquer, 
and you are here. If you battle with unworthiness, I'm here to tell you that you've entered the doors of a church who these people, we need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And so if you see us lifting our hands and worshiping like, we trust you, Lord, you've given everything for us and you don't quite feel that yet, it's okay. Allow the Lord just to work on you this weekend and I promise you the Lord is going to chase you down and by the end of the conference, you're going to be saying, I, my trust is in you, Lord. All right. So you battled hell because the enemy doesn't care if you go to church on a Sunday. He doesn't care if you sing some Christian songs in church every once in a while. What he cares about is his manifest glory going in so deep into your heart that he knows a transformation is going to happen. And so if you felt a shaking this week, it's because a shaking is coming. It's because his presence is, is it's already poured out. Hello. But it is going to pour out so strong this weekend, and it terrifies the enemy. It terrifies hell. Okay? But listen, he has no place in us. He has no unsettled claim against us. All has been settled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I bind right now any power or principality that would try to hinder his worth to go forth into your heart, into your homes, into your spirit. And right now, Lord, I just pray that your spirit flow through me, oh God. I pray, Father, God, I pray for your anointing over my life right now, oh God. I'm just a mouthpiece to what you have to say. Oh, God, I pray that these women see Jesus. I see you, and they don't see me. God, I pray that your name is exalted above everything else tonight, oh, God. I just pray right now for the women who are here who are like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here. God, I pray that you whisper in their ear right now and tell them they are here for this time and this purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, each year, I get, the, I get the honor of going on a Friday night, and I keep saying, do y'all want to switch it up? And they're like, no, I don't. And then so I just keep saying, okay. So on Friday night, I like to go through where um, this conference was birthed from, and kind of where, remember where it came from, okay? I want this conference to be an Ebenezer to you that God is faithful. So what is an Ebenezer? An Ebenezer is, it, it literally means stone of help. And Samuel erected a monument after God had supernaturally moved his hand in order to protect the, the Philistines, I'm sorry, the Israelites as they battled the Philistines in the Old Testament. And he, Samuel came in here, erected a monument of stone, and he said, let this be remembrance that God supernaturally moved his hand over his people. And so this conference is going to be an Ebenezer for you in the years to come when you look back and you say, God supernaturally moved his hand. So how this conference was birthed in summer of 2021, Brianne and I, uh, we met on a Friday afternoon and we just felt like the Lord had been putting it on our heart to gather a group of women um, to pray and disciple five days a week on a Facebook group. And we were crazy. We didn't know what we were doing or getting ourselves into. We just said, okay, Lord. And we were like, we're going to launch it on Monday. And then right before we left, Pastor Brienne said, hey, let's just go live. None of us had makeup on. And we were just, well, sure, why not? So we go live in our Cub Ladies ministry group. And we said, starting next week, we are going to go on a journey where we're going to begin discipling you five days a week on the Facebook group. And so invite your friends. Whenever I went to go live that Monday morning, there was over 500 women in our Facebook group. Glory to God. <laughs> 500 women. And it was not that many to start off with. So God had moved over that so very quickly. A few months later that um, fall, I get a call from Miss Sherry Reether, who is the administrator over our Cove Ladies Ministry. 
Give her a round of applause, because she is fantastic. I could not do my job without this woman right here. So she calls me, she's on her way home from Houston, and she says, I just feel like the Lord has said that we need to do a women's conference. And she laid it all out, and I almost laughed, I think, because I said, you have no idea. Brianne and I were just talking about a women's conference. And so that fall, we began to prepare, and we just kind of ran with it. And when we look back at our first conference, it's, it is an Ebenezer. Because God supernaturally provided everything that we needed for that conference that year. Um, we had kids sleeping on the floor in the life center. We had, I mean, we just had food going everywhere. It was, it was crazy when we look back on it and where, how far we've come. Um, but it was only by the supernatural hand of God that that was able to, to go forth in the, in January of 2022. I had to make sure I said that right. So he is on the move. All right. Now, Two and a half years later, now we have a committed group of 11 women who go live in a Facebook group, on YouTube, and on a podcast five days a week, and we've done it faithfully for two and a half years. So give God a round of applause for that. It's amazing to see the growth that each woman has had. It's amazing to see where God has brought Cove Ladies Ministry, this fight time group. So if you're like, why is it fight time? That's what it's called. We just decided, hey, you know what? We're fighting the enemy. Let's call it fight time. That's where it was birthed from. But he is so faithful because now we have a conference with over 400 women registered, people driving in from Virginia, flying in. Glory to God. It's amazing. He is so faithful. So this event truly is an Ebenezer to me. And it reminds me that without a doubt, God moves his life, moves his hand supernaturally in my life. And he for sure shakes up his plans for me. He is faithful. All right, so in May of 2023, I promise this is going to be a little bit shorter, but in May of 2023, our planning committee met and God revealed that the theme for this year was going to be spiritual encounter. And I'm just thrilled to say the least because these colors and the elegance is like right up my alley. So I was so excited about that. And then Pastor Brianne and I, we were like, okay, we're going to go pray and we're going to figure out what God wants the scripture to be. And she called me and she said, I'm really feeling like it's Esther 4 and 14. And I said, me too, but I felt like Esther was played out. And she's like, it's not played out. Esther will never be played out. And she's so right. It is not ever going to be played out. And so I was so excited. And so for the last few months, I have been pouring over these scriptures of Esther in the Old Testament. And I'm so excited to bring to you tonight what the Lord has brought out to me over these scriptures. If you've never heard the story of Esther, it's okay. I'm going to tell it to you. All right, let me set the stage. Let's go all the way back before Jesus Christ ever was on the earth to the first Persian Empire. In the first Persian Empire, there was a king named King Ahasuerus. I've been practicing that. I did pretty good. Ahasuerus. And he had a queen named Queen Vashti. And King Ahasuerus decided to show off, um, Scripture says, his glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for 180 days. He had a grand feast for 180 days. At the end of this feast, he decided he was going to hold a special banquet. And at this banquet were all of his men from all the provinces. This province, this kingdom went from India all the way to Egypt. It was very, very large. And at the end of this, he said, you know what? I'm going to have um, a banquet. And during this banquet, he called for Queen Vashti to come to him with her royal crown so that he could show off her beauty. Um, Vashti told him no, okay? 
And so she said, I'm not going in there with all those men to gawk at me. I don't know if she really said that. That's not in scripture. That's just how I feel like she probably would have said it. That's how I would have said it. So in order for in order for the king to keep control over the women so that they didn't tell their husbands no, um, he said, you know what? I've got to do something. So all of his royal people, his staff, said, all right, she's got to go. So the king made a royal declaration that Queen Vashti had to be banished from his presence forever, and she would lose her royal title. She would be replaced by a woman more worthy than her, as Scripture says. And so once the king signed the decree, it could not be overruled. So he signed a decree, and so it was. Thus began the hunt for a new wife. Okay. During this time, the decree commissioners went into their, their parishes and they began to hunt for the most beautiful virgins that they could find to bring back into the king. And they brought them back to the queen's har- I'm sorry, king's harem where um, he, they would begin beauty treatments um, and courses in order to be presented before the king. <clears throat> Queen Vashti, oh, sorry. Let me go back to this part. They would undergo 12 months of treatment before they were um, given to the king. Then the king would choose the woman whom he favored to become the next queen. At this same time, a Jewish man named Mordecai had adopted his orphan cousin, Hadassah. You may know her as Esther. Scripture says that she was extremely beautiful, and we learn that she was extremely devoted to God of Israel. (laughs) Esther was taken into the harem of the king, and it was there that she gained favor with a man named Haggai, the keeper of the women. The Bible tells us she never revealed her true identity to the king or anyone in the royal palace. She never told anyone that she believed in God Almighty. So several times she was summoned into the king's presence as he desired her. And after 12 months, there was a decision made. After 12 months, the king decided on his queen. And he crowned a beautiful Jewish girl by the name of Esther. She became the new queen. Sometime later, the king began to honor a man named Haman. Haman was no ordinary man. All right, this was so interesting to me as I study these scriptures. Haman wasn't an ordinary man. He was evil because he was an Agagite. He's a descendant of the Amalekites. And you'd be like, that's a lot of words, Casey. I don't know what that means. Well, let me just tell you, in the Old Testament, Saul was told by God to kill every single Amalekite. He said, don't leave a single one, not a child, not a woman, not a man. You kill every single Amalekite because they are sworn enemies of God Almighty. But King Saul, or sorry, Saul decided he wasn't going to obey all of God's command. And he left one King Agag, an Amalekite, to survive. So it is by no um, coincidence that here we find Haman, an Agagite, an Amalekite, where the curse from the previous generation had passed down through the bloodline, and now we find evil Haman. You see it? Haman was no ordinary man. He was um, extremely evil, okay? Saul allowed King Agag... Oh, let me keep going through my notes, y'all. I'm really trying here. We see in Scripture that Haman was evil and and demanded that everyone in the king's staff would bow down to him. So every time Haman would walk into the presence, everyone in the king's staff had to lower themselves to them. But there was one man who said... Absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. Can you guess that man's name? Mordecai. Mordecai. Absolutely. He knew there was only one person to bow down to, and that was God Almighty. 
This angered Haman so greatly, especially when he found out that Mordecai was a Jewish man. And so he went before the king and he said, there is one people group and they're going to rise up against you if you don't take control over them. And so if it pleases the king, I would like to suggest that we completely obliterate this people group. And the king, not knowing the ethnicity of this people group or the ethnicity of his queen, said, do as you wish. And he gave him a signet ring and said, you make the declaration. So as Mordecai gained knowledge of this decree that the entire Jewish nation was going to be obliterated, um, and he realized it could not be overturned, he summoned Esther through her servant because it was illegal for him to contact her. He told her about the decree and commanded her to approach the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. This is where we're going to pick up in Scripture. So I gave you a little stage setting there. All right, so go with me to Scripture here, Esther 4 and 10. Esther spoke to Hattach and commanded him to tell Mordecai, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned. It's the death penalty. Unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing the person to live, I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So when I think of this story of Esther, it's easy to see a storyline of a young orphan girl who was brought into royalty. She was able to experience glitz and glamour in the royal life. Can you see that? She had a king that favored her above all the other women in the entire kingdom, and that's pretty cool if you think about it. Esther and her people were facing a sworn enemy of their people, and it was to es- up to Esther now to do as she had been commanded and fight for the life of her people God's chosen ones. In Esther 4.15, you can put that on the board. It reads, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I, my female servants, will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it's against the law. If I die, I die. Queen Esther and the Jewish people fasted for three days and prayed for God's hand to be over their lives. After three days, Queen Esther approached the court of the king, unsummoned. Can you imagine what she could have been feeling? She's young, and she's approaching a king knowing that at at any moment he could completely take out her life. However, we are going to see in Scripture, the hand of the Lord was on Esther. Scripture says that she found favor with the king, and his reply was, whatever you want, even up to half of the kingdom, I'll give it to you. It's dreamy, right? Are you listening, husband? Is he in here? That's dreamy, huh? So in the meantime, Haman was plotting to have Mordecai hanged. I've got to get a drink. Bless me. Mordecai was was wanting to have Haman hanged because Mordecai still refused to bow. So I want you to listen to how God works. I think this is so interesting. Haman was going to ask the king if he was allowed to go ahead and kill Mordecai. He didn't want to wait until the day of destruction in a year. He was ready now to kill Mordecai because he was not 
doing what he wanted him to do. So whenever he goes to approach the king to say, King, could you please go ahead? I've already built the gallows. Let me go ahead and put uh, Mordecai on them. The king says, hey, wasn't there a man who saved my life a few years ago? And Haman says, yes. And he says, I want to honor that man. Guess who that man was? Mordecai. That's right. So he said, I am going to have you parade around this man and give him the royal robes. And so Haman himself had to put Mordecai on a horse with royal robes and he paraded him through the streets and he said, this is what happens to a man who honors the king. Could you imagine Haman's face? What do you think he was thinking in his mind? Like, are you kidding me? So this is where it gets really good. Okay. Haman goes home to his wife and tells her what had happened. And this is what she says to him from chapter 6, verse 13. I don't have it on the board. She says this, Since Mordecai is Jewish and you've begun to, to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. Why in the world would his downfall be certain? You know why? Because he's a sworn enemy of God's chosen people, of the Israelite people. So destruction and death was certain for him. Do you see that? They knew it because they had never been able to overpower the Jewish people. They knew it because they, they know that there's a real God in heaven who was supernaturally moving his hand over the Israelite people for centuries before. She knew that he would fall because of God. So I want you to listen up, okay? I know I've told a lot of story just then. I thank you for bearing with me. But listen, this is what God is going to do for you. For those of you that place your faith in Jesus Christ, the sworn enemy, Satan, can never overcome you. The victory is already yours by the blood of Jesus. You walk in it. So as Esther approaches the king, she reveals the plan of Haman. She says, listen, he is going to kill me and he's going to kill everybody else because I'm a Jew and I believe in God. And he declares to her, because he loves her very much, that no harm shall come against her. And so she saves the Jewish people. He commands Haman to death and appoints Mordecai, of all people, to write the declaration that the Jewish people will be able to defend themselves the day of the destruction to come. Queen Esther, with the help of the Lord, saved her people. I want you to look at this. How did she do it? How did Queen Esther save her people? This is one of the most important questions of tonight. I hope you followed along. When the enemy came knocking at the door, she had several options. Esther could have easily continued to hide her true identity, and she could have just ignored the impending danger. She could have allowed her people to perish because she felt safe in a royal place, right? She felt protected. She felt like she was covered. So she could have just let, let, it, let it go however it was planned. Esther could have also chosen like we oftentimes do, to barge into the king and say, listen up, king, let me tell you what's going to happen. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> let me just tell you what my plans are. This is not going to work, and let me tell you why it's not going to work. She could have easily taken matters into her own hand and told him what she really thought. How do you think that would have worked out for her? Instead, what we see, which is so beautiful, we see a young woman, only about 20 years old, scholars say, at the time of Haman's plot, and she goes into, um, oh, she was a young girl, once a poor orphan, now choosing to walk in her authority as a child of God. She goes before the true king. She removes her man-made royalty. 
And she humbly asked the God of the universe to take over, to take control, and to spare her life. You see it? There was a time in my life at a very early age that I bore the name of Christian. I had no fruit to offer. I lived a life with that title, but it didn't look like it. I wasn't an orphan by any means. I have amazing parents. Um, But as humans do, because of the sin nature of the fallen world, I just felt lonely. I felt empty. I felt a void. I'm sure you all can resonate with that. Oftentimes, especially as a young girl, I would keep my title hidden. I wouldn't say that I was a Christian because I was not living like there was a God of the universe who had come to to earth to die on my behalf. I was definitely not living for him. So I often joke that in high school, if you knew me, no, you don't. You didn't know me in high school, and here's why. Because at school, I was clean as a whistle. At school, I was a straight-A student. At school, I was the drum major, the head twirler, the student body president. Um, you name it, I was it. I was good as golden. Okay? I wore a really, really, really good mask. <clears throat> Except for sports. I was not good at sports. <laughs> Ask my husband. So as much as I wish I didn't have a testimony to tell, I do. But we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I know that this is going to resonate with you. I promise you I don't want to write it. (laughs) and I don't want to say it, but I know it's going to resonate with you today. So you can look at me easily and you can say, oh, Casey, she has it all together. She has a, an extremely handsome husband and, and beautiful children and she's the ministry leader and she's just really got herself together. But the reality is that's not the truth. Okay. As a young lady, I began to search for love and acceptance in all the wrong ways that the world told me was okay. I didn't have a foundation in Christ, and so even though I knew the things I was partaking in were, were wrong, I didn't understand the weight that it actually held for me. As I wore the crowns of my accolades, it merely masked the atrocity that I felt inside of myself. So in a pursuit of happiness and, and of love and, a void to, and, and love to fill the void in my life, I would give myself over to men and I would give myself over to alcohol and I would drown myself in shopping trips and I would drown myself in food. Can I get an amen for that one? Amen. Anyone ever felt like that? I would do anything I could to keep from facing the reality that I felt so alone, that I felt so empty, that there was something missing in my life even though I wore the, wore the title, bore the title of Christian. I met a wonderful man who quickly became my husband, and I'm forever grateful for that moment in my life. Although in 10 short years, we have faced many heartaches. Many of you know our struggles. We, you know what we've come through. You know our testimony. If you don't, I'd love to tell it to you. We've been able to have an amazing uh, four beautiful children who are just absolutely adorable. If I do say so myself, I'm biased. Um, So we've had wonderful times, and it's not that I was not happy with him, but it was still a void in my life. There was something missing that wasn't tangible here on earth. There was nothing that the world could fill that void with. And so in 2018, in that back corner here at Covenant Church, I felt a call on my life. Everyone around me was talking during the altar call. Have you ever been to church like that? Where everyone's just goofing off. There was a bunch of men back there. You know how men do sometimes. There was a bunch of men, and they were goofing off, and I felt a holy God call out my name in 2018. And he said, it is time for you to come. 
And so as a young mother, I had a baby on my hip and I had a baby in my belly. I walked to the stairs that used to be right here and I knelt down and I didn't even know what to say because I didn't know what I was wanting or needing. But at that time, all I said was, Lord, I need you. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm not churchy. I just know that there is something missing in me, and I need you. I need something. I had a choice to make. Whenever I heard my name being called in that back corner, I had a choice, just like Esther. I could have easily ignored the call on my life and just continued to do life on my own and in my own strength. And guess what? I would have looked really good doing it. Okay, from the outside looking in, if you would have watched my Facebook, you'd have been like, this girl has got it going on, okay? I could have faked it until I made it. As long as the outside looked clean, I was good to go. Or I could answer the call to surrender my man-made identity and humbly ask the God of the universe to take over, to take control, to spare my life. You see it? I was called... In that moment, and in that moment, I was able to finally, truly lay down every bit of pain I'd ever felt, every bit of sorrow I had ever felt, every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, I laid it down. A moment of pure surrender to the King of glory, and I allowed the God of the universe to come in and sweep me with his love and completely entrench me in his spirit I allowed the God of the universe to come and show me forgiveness and to show me grace and to show me mercy. I didn't know what I had been doing. I didn't even know what I was missing until he washed over me. Although sanctification continues to happen to this day, I'm not perfect. And I will be continuing to be sanctified until Jesus comes or I die and go to glory, okay? But even though it was in that moment, it changed my destiny forever. In that moment, God came down to a little girl who was once an orphan in spirit, and he exchanged my heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Here's what he did. He took off my filthy rags that I had been carrying around for so long. He took them off, and he clothed me with royal robes. He removed the crown of shame from my head, and he replaced it with a crown of royalty, with a crown of victory, with a crown of life, and a crown of righteousness. I didn't deserve it. I didn't have to do anything but say yes to him, and he did it. What I didn't understand was that in that moment, in that position in 2018, he was positioning me me for such a time as today. (laughs) I had no idea. In 2018, if I would have not answered that call, my time wouldn't have been birthed. And it's nothing that I did. I just said yes. This conference wouldn't have happened. Not well. Let me say it like this, just like Mordecai said. It probably would have still happened, but I wouldn't be here and I would be finding death and destruction if I wouldn't have said yes, because his plan will go forth. Let me put it that way. It's nothing to do with me. (laughs) Let me be very clear. For this moment in time, this is why I'm here. So I can speak to the heart of the orphan and say today, today is the day that he's going to exchange your life of loneliness and give you a royal family. Okay. Today is the day where I can speak to the woman who's given her body away and say today's the day that he replaces promiscuity with robes of purity. What robes of purity today? He he has that for you. I can speak to the woman who tried everything possible in this world to fill the void in her life with things of this world that don't work. And I can say to you today, 
that the, today's the, the day an exchange is made, you're no longer going to be empty. You're going to be made whole by the finished work of Christ on the cross. He came to, to do that for you. And you're going to be filled completely with the Holy Spirit and never have to walk alone. God called Esther to a life of glamour. That's what it looked like on the outside, right? But on the inside, it was less than ideal. Esther was raised an orphan as an orphan. She was bound in a harem as a slave. She was forced to mask her identity um, in order to stay alive. And then she was subjected to the lust of the king at his every desire. But God, right? He appointed Esther to replace a royal position where he exchanged her rags for riches. And he said, Esther, I know I have appointed you. I've called you by name. You're going to do great work for my kingdom. I have called you to be the heroine of Israel. Woman of God, you are facing an empty, facing an enemy who comes to devour not just you, but your children and his children's children, your children's children. <clears throat> the world and even religion tells us to sit idly by, right? The world tells us as long as you pray, you're all right. Pray a little. It's okay. As long as you go to church, you're okay, okay? Our family and our children will perish if we just stick to that. We must take up the only identity and authority God has called us. And the truth says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The world tells women to battle in the flesh, to be controlling and boastful. The world tells us to be I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N. Y'all know it. Tells us to be independent if y'all don't know it. Maybe I just aged myself. Hello. <laughs> tells us to be independent. He tells us to live according to our own desires. He tells us to be powerful and to domineer our husbands. He tells the world, not God, the world tells us to um, go out and, and um, be powerful uh, and our jobs and our marriages. But we can learn from Queen Esther that we're supposed to fight in the spirit with grace and with truth and with peace as represented by the olive crowns that you see today. Queen Esther took her battles to God Almighty with prayer and with fasting and with devotion and a faith to a God that she knew was going to pull through. She had faith in him. With uh, We're going to be a group. I'm going to say this. This is an equipping conference. We're going to be a group of women who carry ourselves with dignity, who are submission to our husbands. We're going to bind up the controlling spirit of Jezebel. And we are going to be women who carry the peace of the Lord into our homes, into our marriages, into our workplaces for our children. We are going to change the culture around us. Does this culture need to be changed? Yes. If we don't do it, who's going to? We are going to, okay? We will change the culture by being women of God who are going to be light in the darkest places. With the spirit we carried inside of us instead of our own fleshly desires. We are going to be a group of women who are going to rise up to love one another, okay? We are not going to be backbiters. We are not going to be gossipers. We are going to be women who love one another so wholeheartedly that we carry each other to the feet of the cross. That is what we're called to do. It is time, says the Lord. He is raising an army of women with voices so loud that they're going to shake the gates of hell for our children, for our marriages, for our community, and especially for our nation. 
When I see this group of 400 women, this is what I see. It's not just 400 women. What the Lord showed me earlier this week, he said, this is a net, Casey. This is a net. If you, if each of these 400 women go and just speak to five people about what God has done for them this, this weekend, we've reached 2,000 people with the word of, of God, with what Christ has done on the cross. He told me earlier this week, this is an equipping conference. Several months ago in a, in a small group prayer meeting, the, the Lord spoke so clearly. And the message that he had, had was, it is time I'm raising up an army. And so he told me this week, he said, I am equipping this group of women to start walking in their God-given authority, to take up their crown of victory, and to become the voice of God Almighty. Like Esther. We have a choice to make. Esther chose to be mature. She chose good over evil. She chose to be used for the kingdom of light instead of the kingdom of darkness. She didn't want to be a pawn for them. She chose to lay her personal agenda aside and to pick up the plan of God no matter the cost. Guess what happened? Blessings poured out on her house because of the choice that she made. It is time to be an Esther. Esthers are going to arise and we're going to take our place. Esthers are going to walk in the favor of God and of man. Esthers are going to make tough decisions to lay down their lives for the sake of their calling. Esther's decisions bring blessing and it brings harvest into the household and generations. Esther's voices save nations. And there was not another voice like a woman's voice that's crying out for, King, for, the, for God Almighty to save a nation. There is something special about a woman crying out for her children. And our children are under attack. So there is something so mighty about a woman's voice going forth. God himself exchanged his riches. I'm gonna, let me say that again. Let me slow down. God himself exchanged riches for rags. He came from heaven and he limited himself here on earth. In order to become rags for those in rags, says 2 Corinthians. So though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. So that you, daughter, through poverty may become rich. Galatians 4, 7 says that you are no longer a slave. If no longer a slave, then a son and a co-heir with Christ. It means we get to rule and reign with Christ when we choose him. That's rags to riches. You'll put the picture on the board. This is what it looks like. When we come to the cross, we see what he's done. He came to fill voids in our life. Some of you walked in here and you're like, I feel like I have dirty rags. When I came to the altar in 2018, I had filthy rags. But this is what he did for me. He took off my filthy rags. And he clothes us with royalty, with royal robes and a royal crown. Here's how it happens. It starts with an exchange. It starts with this moment in time. You've battled hell to get through these doors. You're sitting in this seat, and it's time for an exchange. The spirit of the living God is here, and he is ready to make an exchange with you no matter the cost. He's ready for you. So here's what I want you to do. Get a little interactive here. I've only been going 36 minutes, so we're going to get a little interactive. The white crowns that you have, they are so cute, right? But I want you to take them, and I want you to take out your pen, 
And over the next minute or two, I want you to think about this. What is the man-made identity that we've given ourselves? What is it that you have been carrying around that is your identity? And I want you to write it on that, that um, crown. <laughs> I'll give you time to get your pen, girl. <laughs> this is just for you. You don't have to show it to anybody. You don't have to share it with anyone else. But I want you to really think about what is in control of your life. I had a mask on. I, this is the crown that I wore. You see it? Self-righteousness. I thought I had it all together. I didn't need a savior because I was my own savior. I thought that everything in this world was filling me up. In reality, I was so broken and so lonely. But on the outside, it looked really pretty. So what is your man-made identity? Is it perfectionism? Is addiction your man-made identity? Is it control? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Is it being a mom? Is that all you are to everybody is just a mom, just a wife, just a daughter? Maybe in your own mind, you just think, my identity is just loser. I'm just a loser. Whatever it is that God places on your heart, I want you to write it on that white crown. God is going to make an exchange with us. He's called you here in this moment in time for this exchange. Does everyone have it written down? All right, I want you to see this. <clears throat> Do you know how we, we, um, how we rise into our place of royalty in the kingdom of God? This is how we do it. We rise to our place of royalty by coming to a holy God and by bowing down just like this. We lay it at the altar. And James 4 says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then later on in scripture, about four sentences later, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and I will exalt you. So we go low in order to make him high in our life. And you may be thinking, I can't trust him with what I'm facing. I, I can't trust him with to give him this control in my life. I've battled my whole entire life to have this control. I'm not going to give it away. Maybe you might be thinking, how can I forgive this person? I can't do that. I can't even forgive myself. I definitely can't forgive God for what he's done to me. Maybe that's what you're battling with. What's so beautiful is that God says he gives you the grace to do it. You don't have to do it on your own. It's a free unmerited favor. It's, it's free. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is say, I'm ready to lay it down, Lord. I'm ready to lay down everything that has kept me bound for so long. I'm ready to lay down the things that I think make me look good. I'm laying it down today. I'm humbling myself. I'm going low so that you can rule and reign in my life. He's the only one that can fill these voids. We go to him and just say this. Just say, Lord, I exalt you greater than my circumstances. I exalt you greater than my control. I exalt you greater than my selfishness. I exalt you greater than my unforgiveness, than my shame, my guilt, my loneliness, sadness, anger, depression. I'm placing you higher than the things that are trying to stay in control over my life. Listen, woman of God, I'm telling you, I know you fought hell to get here, and this is why. 
God is ready to bring you into a new position. First, we have to lay down our lives for him. Esther said, if I die, I die. And I know that in this time, at, you know, it's getting closer. We see prophecies being fulfilled. But I realize that there's a real chance that someone may look at me and say, are you ready to die for the cause of Jesus Christ? And I, I have to say yes and understand that there may be a physical death in my life because of my profession of faith. I realize that and I choose to say yes anyway. However, for this moment in time, as we come to the feet of the only one who can save and set us free from bondage, we can say, Lord, if I die, I die. What else do I have to lose? I've already tried everything else in my own, own way. I can't do it my own way anymore. I don't want to hold on to this thing anymore. We are throwing off our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to allow his mercy to rush in and his forgiveness to rush in. And as we take off our, our dirty rags, he's going to robe us in a royal robe. And he's going to place a crown of victory on your head today. He can do that for you today. You don't have to wait. If I could have my fight time team come forward. We're going to follow them. They're going to come and they're going to lay their crowns on this altar. You can lay it on the ground or on the altar. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> they're self-made. <laughs> I let it bring hers. They're self-made crowns. They're man-made identity. Y'all can turn around and be ready to receive. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The altar's open. Would you stand to your feet as we begin to we're going to worship. There is a God that is calling you. There is a God that has brought you here for a reason, for this moment in time. I need you to understand and feel the magnitude of it. Some of you are like, I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. Listen, you could do it in your pew. You don't have to come to this altar. But there's a group of praying women who are ready to receive you raw and real. They've been through it. They have comeback stories just like we all do. They need Jesus just like we all do. And if you feel called to come forward, then come. You can lay your feet at the altar, your crown at the altar, at the feet of Jesus. You don't even have to come and pray with them. But if you want to bring your man-made identity to this altar, you can lay it down at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to pray with anybody unless you want to. If you feel the Holy Spirit calling you into a new position, come. If you feel the Holy Spirit bringing out this, wanting you to lay things down, come. If he's calling you up into something higher, come. This is a conference. Remember, you can do whatever you want. It's free. It's not church. It's not your church. I want you to come and lay down your man-made crown at the feet of Jesus. And what he's going to do here, he's robing you in righteousness. He's crowning you with the victory. Maybe you feel in calling into deeper relationship with him tonight. Come. Throw off your crown of shame. Throw off your crown of guilt. Throw off your crown of sickness. Some of you may have been sick your whole life. You don't have to live in sickness any longer. Come and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. I'm ready to lay it down for the cause. Listen, you don't have to keep walking in depression. You don't have to keep walking in unforgiveness. You don't have to keep walking in illness. Come and lay down your crowns. 
your man-made identity stand in the way of your God-given destiny. Don't let your man-made identity stand in the way of your God-given destiny. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. It's appointed for you today. Don't miss this moment. If you're praying in your pews, then pray. Lay it down for the Lord. The cost of living for Jesus is so worth it. The cost of living for Jesus is so worth it. This is my surrender. And here is where I live. Of all 